Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and today we are joined by a very tired Luna, and just me. Um, today's episode is an interesting one, in the sense of, I already recorded this episode, um, but any of my fellow podcasters, uh, you might know, sometimes when you record, you catch an audio mistake, and sometimes you can do a quick cover-up. Uh, I could not with today's episode, and... Uh, What happened is there were so many quick fixes that were obvious fixes and just really standing out. Instead of putting out an episode of an inferior product, uh, I thought, why not just re-record it and uh, go from there? And the benefit of that is there's a couple other things I thought about on the walk with Luna that I wanted to talk about. Um, That's the fun thing with these Let's Talk About episodes for me. They are the audio successor um, to the old... um, uh, collection with thoughts uh, posts I'd write for the website. It's kind of a catch-all, so instead of like diving deep into one particular topic, it's uh, it's the quick, or not not even a quick dive. It's let's share some thoughts on a number of different things. It's kind of a catch-all. Uh, you'll also notice today uh, we did not include a video component. That's because I just got back from the walk with Luna. I'm very sweaty and. A sweaty Chris is not fun to look at. I know I try to avoid looking at sweaty Chris at all costs, uh, so I thought I'd spare everybody. Um, also want to give some awesome shout-outs, which I will at the end. Anyway, but still, as always, to uh, our dear friend uh, Hector Mirai from Faith and Fandom, and uh, the always awesome Redeemed Otaku team. Uh, you guys are great. Um, looking forward to your next episode um, when it when it comes. And... Uh, Nick, uh, who I unfortunately don't see as much anymore, thank you so much for your comments and encouragement and prayer, man. I really, really appreciate it. And then, of course, as always, to my boys, uh, Dave, Hal, Caleb, uh, Steve, you guys are great for whenever there's some needed prayer requests. Um, I love you guys. And then, of course, as well, uh, for the great increased chats with uh, Mike, Tommy, Christian, and Darko. Love you guys. Um... Actually, while I'm on the shout-out train, also, Jenna Matt from Redeemed Otaku. Uh, sorry, not Redeemed Otaku. <laughs> uh, cardboard Koinonia. Sorry, guys, I'm really tired. Uh, Jenna Matt, I love you guys. You've been such great prayer, ro- prayer warriors for for uh, One Cross Radio, 2099, One Cross Street. Um, me, Jill, and the entire family. Uh, love you guys. And I also know... Uh, I also know Redeemed Otaku at points they've asked for what they can pray for. So thank you guys. You guys are wonderful. Um, and anybody I missed, no, it's not, it's not that I'm trying to, to dodge you. Um, my entire family is amazing. Dave, Mom, Jude, you guys are wonderful. Sam, Pete, Pip. See, I'm, now I'm going down the shout-out rabbit hole. All right, on to uh, today's topic. If I missed you, know that I, I value you and, and love you guys. Um... So on to the first part of today's topic. Uh, about a month ago at this point, it was D23, and we got the announcement of more Marvel shows, some of which I am super, super, super excited for. Uh, first one, sorry for the yelling, but we did it, Gus! We're getting a Moon Knight show! Um, I've wanted Moon Knight for so, so long. Um, Hal Willis, who was the most recent guest on the uh the Ask a Pastor series 
Um, and we posted his episode in December. It was the last episode before we went on our Christmas break. Um, Hal actually is the one who introduced me to Moon Knight uh, because Hal and I got, uh, we knew each other in Sunday school when we were kids. Um, and then as things happen, you drift apart and life happens. But then we really reconnected because we were getting baptized at the same time. And then we started hanging out more. Uh, we started hanging out with Steve and the obvious geekdom and love of comics was there. And then Hal had asked me if I had ne- ever read Moon Knight. And I was like, who? I've never even heard of this cat. Uh, so Hal introduced me to Moon Knight, uh, who's a great character. Uh, he gets a bum rap of being Marvel's Batman, uh, which is a disservice to Moon Knight and debatably a disservice to Batman. Um, the similarities are they're both w- rich white guys who fight crime uh, with martial arts. That's the extent of it. Like, that, that is the beginning and the end. Um, oh, I guess and they got butlers that help. But Moon Knight is not on Batman's level as a fighter. Um, and Batman does not have the, uh, the severe mental health issues that Moon Knight does. Um, and Moon Knight has gotten much more vicious than Batman at points. Because uh, at, at certain points, Moon Knight just straight up kills. Um, or in a, a great but very gritty run in the early 2000s, which was my introduction to the character, uh, used sharp knuckles on his fist and yeah or I think cut Bushman's face off I don't recall Batman ever doing that um but later Moon Knight runs uh his first run with Marvel now was really good um Jeff Lemire's take on the character I haven't had a chance to read but I've heard nothing but good things um actually the guy uh Rob who does comics explained he even in the past was in the camp of Moon Knight is Marvel's Batman and he didn't the character didn't appeal to him. Jeff Lemire's one, run is what won Rob over. Um, so it's it, that speaks volumes to me. But also I've heard really really great things because it really dives in uh, to the mental health aspect of that character. Um, because uh, what's the cliff notes? How can I sum this up? Uh, Moon Knight becomes the uh, Basically, the avatar for the Egyptian god, I think of vengeance, I might be wrong, or of the moon, Khonshu. Uh, So, Moon Knight, at points, does have powers, but then those powers get taken away. Um, Moon Knight is Mark Spector, but he also um, has various aliases. I'm going to quickly look them up, because there's always one I forget. Um, But he, the thing is, these aliases become personalities uh like full-on personalities and moon knight end up moon knight ends up looking like he has multiple personality disorder um sorry give me one sec i didn't know i would dive into this part all right so moon knight is his main personality is mark specter who he at first he uh he's a mercenary, a soldier, then a mercenary, um, and then he becomes other characters. As he comes back, he's made money from his career as a mercenary, so then he becomes Stephen Grant, who's the rich character, the socialite. This is where some of the compare, a lot of the comparisons to Bruce Wayne come in, um, and then he's also Jake Lockley, who's the 
like ear to the streets he's a cab driver each of these personalities has a distinct look so it's not like hold up that cab driver is that really rich guy um they they carry themselves in a different way you could even compare it to um in the christopher reeve superman and then in the much maligned but underrated superman returns brandon routh did the same thing where clark kent and superman were two very different personas uh it's the same with batman and bruce wayne moon knight does this with multiple personalities within one person uh to the point that these become people he becomes it's not just like well time to act as jake lockley like the persona entirely takes over uh moon knight later then also added another personality mr knight who would work directly with the police um in that marvel now run there was a great uh opener uh a great issue that would be a great way to do in the show because it's moon knight stopping a terrorist attack and each situation requires skills of each persona and as moon knight is in communication with the police um it's switching into the police know mr knight but they don't know the various personas so that could be a fun way to introduce the audience to this um the other way it could be a lot of fun found footage is hit or miss but in the comic it was wonderful because it was security camera footage it was cell phone footage and then it was just parts of you could see it but it was just audio um it could be a terrifically well shot thing um and a series is a great way to go with moon knight because i don't think a movie is the way to start i'm sure with the right talent it could work but because there's so much to unpack with this character i'm not sure a two like an hour and a half to two and a half hour movie would do service to everything whereas if you do it in a series and the series works then they could consider including him in a movie um i'm so excited about the moon knight show it now might be the thing i'm most excited about out of the upcoming phases uh we're also getting a she-hulk show which is awesome i really didn't think we'd get this because i admittedly don't know much about the the rights issues but the reason marvel hasn't been able to do their like a hulk solo movie why he's had so much development in thor ragnarok and and uh infinity war and endgame and he's only been in the team-up movies is because universal owns the rights to do a hulk solo movie i think they still own the rights to hulk characters now at points they've made the exception of allowing thunderbolt ross in but it's why we haven't seen a hint of abomination it's why we haven't heard anything of betty um so as far as as far as i knew but i guess i know wrong um they didn't have access to the hulk's character pool but now they seemingly do so that's that maybe they've got the go around with the show it on a streaming service instead as a film and maybe Universal's getting some of the the money for it. I'd be really interested to find out. Um, but it's a show that we weren't expecting, but that that's genuinely exciting and and awesome. Uh, the other one is that's really exciting is Miss Marvel. Miss um, Marvel is very different now than she was when Carol Danvers, the current Captain Marvel, was Miss Marvel. Um, Miss Marvel has 
shape-shifting ability in the sense of, like, I don't... Okay, shape-shifting isn't exactly correct, because it's that's like Odo from Star Trek or the Skrulls in Marvel. Um, she's, I, I guess, comp- shape-shifting in the comparable sense to uh, Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four. Um, but she's a really interesting character. She is a Muslim-American. Uh, Muslim um, she hero worships. She writes fan fiction about the... the about the Marvel superheroes. She geeks out entirely whenever she meets these other heroes. Um, so there's a lot, she can be the care, uh, like the audience insert character. Um, she is an example I'd say of diversity done right um, in the comics because Marvel at times gets a lot of just and unjust flack about um, how they, they're not diverse enough. At times, it's just shoehorned in, in my opinion, um, and done to a disservice where it's like, all right, hey, we get our participant uh, thing. Look how diverse we are, where we're just changing stuff willy-nilly for no reason. DC does the same thing, where a good example of, I'd, I'd say, diversity done right is Miles Morales is not Black Peter Parker. Miles is his own character. Uh, he has stories that are that would not work for Peter that organically work for him that are great for representation. Now I recognize there's an irony here of white boy talking about diversity and all that, but let's separate that. I think, I think that's a fair thing to say. Um, Miles is a great character. He's not just someone who was race or gender swapped to be like, Hey, look how diverse we are. Miles is an organic character. Um, Miguel O'Hara, to me, even though, yes, he was pretty pale in complexion, um, he was also a great... He's not... <laughs> he's not the Scottish-Hispanic uh, <laughs> Peter Parker. He's his own character. His family were their own characters. I, like, this was all done very, very organically. It's not just, again, someone being race or gender swapped. Um, it works. So I think Miss Marvel, I'd, I'd group in with that. Um, she's very much her own character. She's not just someone who's just thrown in. Anytime they introduce diversity into the comics, uh, people will automatically jump to like, unfortunately, uh, people will often jump to the, oh, it's just, you're just trying to get the points or whatever. Where, yeah, you can make that argument a lot of times. And at times it's uh, maybe half the time or so. It's actually correct at times more than half the time, but you can't make that argument with Miss Marvel. I don't think uh, diversity is very important. Representation is great. Um, I get it. As a straight white guy, I've never had much of a problem of finding characters I can identify with. When I apply it to my Christian faith, though, substantially less. Um, but it's it's great to see someone who can recognize themselves in print on the screen. It's all awesome. I'm going in on a trail I didn't think I'd go on. Um, I'd love to have this conversation with someone else at another time. Because um, representation is important. But I think there's a good way to do it. Anyways. Um, yeah, yeah Miss Marvel. Uh, I'm just repeating myself. I'll move along. Uh, so the next thing I kind of wanted to talk about was my thoughts on Young Justice Season 3. Which was a mixed bag for me. Um... I was really excited 
that Young Justice was coming back. But in the end, what I got was not necessarily what I fully wanted. Um, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with uh, with Young Justice Season 4. Like, I'm still in. But let, let me say why it's, it's not necessarily what I wanted. Uh, this season was very focused on the Outsiders. Um, Young Justice Season 2... It moved the story forward, but I still think it had a good amount of focus on the core team that was introduced in Season 1. Season 3, a lot of those characters got pushed aside for the new characters, and that's what I didn't want. Um, Young Just, uh, A good comparison I can make is from the amazing Justice League series as it evolved into Justice League Unlimited. Because Justice League, the series, it just focused on the seven of Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, Wonder Woman, Flash, Hawk Girl. The, the first two seasons of that show, two or three, were focused entirely on those seven. When you got to Unlimited, suddenly there is legit at least a hundred new characters. So, and mo- like at least half of those hundred are just peripheral background players who get little moments but it was great because outside of a bat embargo um which at some point if i do a deep dive into justice league will be its own deep topic um they had used to virtually every character with the exception of very few because of shows that were other cartoons that were on the air at the time or live action shows that were being developed uh you suddenly had all these new characters. The toy chest was open, but they were you instead of now having focus on the core seven. Each episode would focus on one of the original seven, one or two, while also splitting focus with these new characters, which was a great way to make you care about the new characters because you weren't upset that all the focus was now away from the 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 core seven. The reason that you're at this new show and. They did a really good... I thought they did an amazing balance of that. Young Justice, Season 3 especially, did not hit that balance. Um, where there was a lot less focus on the original team. And a lot of focus was going to the new team. And I didn't love the new team as much as I loved the old team. I also wanted much more focus on Tim Drake. Because Tim Drake's awesome. Uh, as Hector and I talked about in that uh the last chat with hector um and tim did not get a lot of moments in the new season i was really hoping he would uh there is there was a number of good things but the season overall i felt struggled with pacing um they were introducing so much that certain story elements would be dropped for like four or five or six episodes there was one episode in particular where it almost felt like the writers and everybody was like oh shoot we finish him three we're done in three or four episodes, so we gotta we gotta get everything out in this episode. There was, I kid you not, about two or three, two to three minute long dialogue, mono, like two to three minute long monologues for our characters, just exposition, just getting everything caught up, and you could have spread this out over three episodes. You could have had one of the big stories culminate and lead into everything, because it. Like, it all eventually tied together, but you could have split this up a bit. Um, 
the characterization of certain characters could have been done better. Uh, Halo was a very interesting character, but also very confusing. Um, because at points, she she's an example, I'd say, of representation, but not done particularly well. Um, Halo's character is that of a, a... So she's a mother box in a dead body. <laughs> and the body was of a, on a woman who wore a hijab. Great, no problem. Uh, as the sh show kept going, though, suddenly at points later on, there was a very pointed scene about her feeling she's non-binary. Um, which, fine. But she was introduced as she, and she's like, I don't know if I'm a she. I, I don't know if that sounds right. Because of the mother box. And I'm figuring out who I am. And there was a very good conversation about like, alright, we'll respect that. Within the same episode, they go back to just strictly referring to Halo as she. Um, later, it's suddenly she... A character is lying to her. I'm trying not to spoil too much. Um, a character is lying to her and then she's randomly drinking. She's a teenager, so she's rebelling. But in that, she also randomly starts kissing a another another female character which is really out of left field um and then they don't ever really address it again they kind of address it later but not really so it's all these moments of you're you're throwing in the representation but there's also no follow-up and it doesn't really stick with the character so it it, it took me out a number of times and i no, from a lot of people from various sides were like, what the heck is going on with her? Like, don't just be like, hey, look at look at all this good representation stuff we're doing when there is no follow-up. Um, but there was still good elements to that character. Um, I'd love to see how she gets developed in Young Justice Season 4. And I'm, I'm interested, I'm very interested to see the follow-up to it. Uh, Alright, so next up, I wanted to talk about, it's now an old story, but it's, well, not old, but, so, a while ago, uh, Kevin Smith, who <laughs> I, I still find enjoyment out of his, his work, um, I don't recommend it often, especially to other Christians, because of how crass and, and vulgar it can be, because there is stuff that can real like I know people who it can really negatively affect so I don't automatically recommend it but uh, an example of a film that there's still something I get out of but even more so the documentary the making of behind it is uh, Clerks 2 for example it has a very very potty mouth so I don't watch it often it's maybe once every three or four years but what I can really appreciate it is the heart behind it um, because it is about characters who were in their 30s still trying to find their way and figure out what it is they're they're doing in life and where they want to go in life and what their goals are what their dreams are um <laughs> who have been like stuck in the day-to-day -day, everything where it's they're realizing like what what's going on um that's something i can identify with i think that's something most people can identify with um and it's done in a really really good way um, so I appreciate heart behind stories, especially after what the last five months of our personal lives 
uh, have been recently. Uh, and this was a really heartwarming story. Um, Kevin Smith is now done filming uh, his next film, uh, another Jay and, uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. But he had had, uh, years ago, um, he had been best friends uh, with uh, actor and director Ben Affleck. Um, he actually debatably helped with Affleck's break. Uh, he was the first one to give him a lead. Affleck was in every film, uh, every one of Kevin Smith's films, uh, from like Mallrats. Uh, Affleck was the lead in Chasing Amy. He was in Dogma. He had a brief cameo in two spots in uh, Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back. One was absolutely hilarious with um, Matt Damon. I'm still waiting for. Uh, Goodwill Hunting 2, Hunting Season. Uh, and then he was in Jersey Girl and then Clerks 2. And he hadn't shown up uh, since. Because um, Kevin Smith will often share stories that debatably aren't his to share. So Affleck and him kind of fell out of touch. Uh, last year, Kevin Smith had a heart attack. Uh, and he never heard from Affleck. And he's like, he assumed uh, their friendship was dead. But he was deliberately not texting him to find out he's like ignorance is bliss and i'd much rather know not know that this person doesn't like me or doesn't care about me anymore so there i can't remember the name of him but there was a guy who uh an entertainment journalist who was a huge fan of kevin uh, smith's films and you can actually see clips online of the guy um where he'd be talking to somebody who had been doing films with kevin uh smith he'd just throw in a little quick reference to uh the view scoop movies where he was interviewing Matt Damon for one movie. And he asked him like, so when's a uh, uh, goodwill hunting Two hunting season coming out. So Affleck was doing the, uh, uh, promotion for his Netflix movie. And then the guy was like, Hey, did they call you for reboot? And then Affleck's like, no, uh, they, they haven't, but uh, I'm free. So the shorter version is, um, people in, Kevin Smith's camp, the producer, Jason Muse, his like best friend, heard and they were like, reach out to him, friggin' like you should really reach out to him. And uh, Smith was hesitant. He eventually did, and then Affleck's in the movie. But he was, as he's sharing the story, he's like, I got my best friend back. Like there was this huge hole in my heart that that I got back. Um, and there was a great quote that I can't fully remember about how as you get older, you just want to make make believe with your friends again uh and i'm 32 i'm not that old but it's it's a sentiment i really understand heck even with um even with mike christian tommy and darko we all realized when we recorded that podcast at, after we recorded the three-part podcast we were all like man we've known each other since like fourth grade middle school and early high school like even though we're all still friends, we haven't chatted with each other as much. Like we, there's not many re relationships and friendships like this. Like we, we, sh we should do this. And since then we've been like talking a lot more and it's been, it's been awesome. And so like, that was a really heartwarming story for me. And like I said, and I, I I'm just still not going to get into the details. Like the last five months, um, or five and a half months, have been some of the roughest of my life. 
So as I'm hearing, I, I needed heartwarming. So as I heard that story, I was like, that's awesome. And it was ju it just really resonated because it was going on as well with, with these other friends who I hadn't seen in a while. And it did lead me to reaching out to others who I haven't, who sometimes friendships just kind of slide. Life happens, but I'm like, no, nah, I need I need to put more of an effort into this. So that was my uh, that just wanted to talk about that and how it it just hit me where I live. <laughs> um, all right, so the next uh, the next topic is several. Uh, it's just Star Trek thoughts. Lately, Jill and I uh, have been revisiting Star Trek um, in an, in a not a big way, but in a big enough way. Um, I've been watching some great episodes of Next Gen, because Next Gen is wonderful. I feel a DS9 run coming in me. Uh, I feel it in my bones. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but Jill and I have been re-watching Voyager, um, which is, it is a mixed bag. It's, last time I watched through, I was like, man, this is, I was giving it a lot of grief. But there's, there's elements to it that are winning me over. Uh, now, there's also parts that, like, TNG... And DS9, when they do a comedy episode, like, it was hilarious. Um, Voyager, I think when they tried to do lighter episodes that were, like, deliberate comedy episodes, I don't know if they worked, but the show is hilarious unintentionally. Now, what I mean by that is not when it's trying to be serious, it's, it's funny. Like, it's so bad, it's funny. Um, but... We just, heck, last night we just watched an episode um, from the third season called Blood Fever where a Vulcan ensign is going through Ponfar, which is uh, a Vulcan thing of like, you need to go home every, every seven years. Like there's an overwhelming urge to go home and take a mate. Well, they're stranded in the Delta Quadrant, so they can't do that. Um, <laughs> and then he tries to make this happen with uh, B'Elanna Taurus, who is a half-human, half-Klingon, and Klingons are very aggressive. And he starts to mind-meld with her a bit, and then it causes her to go through the pond far. Um, so there's a lot of moments where it's like, her, like her behavior is very awkward, so it it's very funny. Uh, there's one scene in particular where Vulcans are insanely private. Tuvok goes in, uh, who is the... Uh, chief of security in a Vulcan he goes in to talk to the Vulcan ensign and it's just super, it's Vulcans being awkward which is hilarious but then towards the end the culmination of the episode is like uh, Belana and Tom who eventually get married like Tom you need to help her and then they leave but when they leave they legit just walk like four feet away and hide around some bushes <laughs> Like, it's just really, really funny when you pause to think about it. There's a lot of great comedy in Voyager. At one point, I will say, there was one line that was delivered that was definitely intended to be funny, and it was hysterical. Uh, Janeway can't get coffee. Uh, when you watch um, Next Gen, uh, Captain Picard is a huge fan of Earl Grey tea. He always gets from the replicator tea, Earl Grey, hot. Um, Janeway always gets coffee, but she can't get coffee and the replicators aren't working, so she can't use the rations. And then <laughs> basically there's some stuff in the nebula that could give them power where they can get coffee. And then she's dramatically and seriously like, there's coffee in that nebula. And 
I get you, Janeway. I understand. Um, but I'm enjoying revisiting Trek a lot. But I'm also doing it in other ways. Um, Reddit, for example. Um, I, I really enjoy Reddit, but the internet is a hive of scum and villainy. Um, so there is good and bad on Reddit. But thankfully, when you set up a profile, you can block the bad stuff. So there's a lot of great, fun sub uh, subreddits. And one of them is the Star Trek run one and uh actually there's like 15 star trek subreddits but the one that led to a great conversation was uh the opinion of who would win between the borg and the dominion uh the dominion was the big bad of ds9 um who really gave the federation a run for their money and potentially could have destroyed them eventually um or the Borg, who, in my opinion, is the big bad of Trek, the best big bad of Trek, um, bar none. So, it's been fun to go through that conversation of, like, who, who could win, because both nearly beat them. Uh, the, the Dominion come from the Gamma Quadrant. Uh, they are... So, they're broken down, like, there's the, uh, the Founders, who are the shapeshifters, the species that Odo is, uh, who fancy themselves gods. There is the Vorta, who are a, a species of clones, basically, where there's Weyoun, who... <laughs> there was Weyoun, who was killed, and then you get nine, su eight sub... Yeah, eight subsequent Weyouns, because in total there's nine. Um who act almost who can act almost as the front of the federation the oh, sorry not the federation the dominion um who worship the founders as gods they can be the face until the founders reveal themselves to the rest of the galaxy um there's the gem hadar who is the fighting force um they are a species bred for combat but they're also they to survive they need a uh a stimulant, a drug called Sickacell White. Um, eventually, the Dominion also forge alliances with species in the Alpha Quadrant, the Breen, who are also another warrior race, um, and the Cardassians. So, the Dominion is very a large and varied force. And with the with the Gem Hadar, the thing is, they can pump out ships. They can pump out these the species right away. So. Say you have a huge victory against the Dominion where you take out a portion of the fleet two weeks later, not, maybe even less, that portion's back. The Borg, out, who are basically unchallenged outside of <laughs> uh, some writing issues at times in uh, D and not DS9, in, uh, in Voyager. Uh, they went to the Borg well a bit too often, but you can understand why. Um, especially after the Kazon fiasco. Um, the Borg are virtually unchallenged as the worst, the strongest species, with the exception of uh, species 8742, who the Borg can't assimilate. Um, and species 8472 are crazy. Uh, they can, they destroy Borg. Self-deprecating joke, like I destroy donuts. Um, they their ships can become like planet-destroying weapons. They destroy cubes and everything like super easy. Um, they're bio 
their ships are like bioships. Their technology is part of them. The Borg, it's all about like technology assimilation and everything taking over, but they can't even assimilate because of how dense and thick the blood of, or I can't remember exactly how it works, the species 8472. Eventually, um, through the Voyager two, season two, three, uh, two-parter leading into season four, like Voyager has to help them. Um, they they are able to get on, I guess, almost equal footing with species eight four seven two, um, but still, like seeing the something much stronger than the Borg is crazy. But outside of them, the Borg are virtually unchallenged. <laughs> And it's, it's fun to compare. The Borg come from the Delta Quadrant, but in some ways they do share some borders with the Dominion. There has never been, at least canon-wise, a documented crossover between the two. Uh, so it's fun to talk about who would win. To me, absolutely no question the Borg would win. Um... Now, how like in the in the long run, if it's a quick, if it's a one-off where a single cube goes into Dominion territory, um, you know what? Between the Jem'Hadar and the Breen, uh, they might eventually take down that cube. But if they send more than one, and they would send another uh, and multiple, then it's it's no question. Once the Borg adapt to the weapons, it's done. Uh, I think once they start assimilating Jem'Hadar, that would take away the the absolute dependency on the Sickasel White. Um, they could start adapting the Breen. It's a question of whether or not they could adapt a Founder, but when they can adapt everything else and destroy everything else, and then the Founders have nothing except they're stuck on their planet, then that's not gonna matter much. It's fun to wonder if they can adapt a Shapeshifter because it's uh, nanoprobes in the blood, but friggin' it's an entirely liquid being. Uh, does it even bleed? Uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting, but it it's a fun conversation, but I do think the Borg would win. Uh, other Trekkies, let me know what you think. Uh, I've also recently been reading Michael Piller, uh, who was a great writer on Star Trek, wrote some of the greatest episodes of TNG, um, I believe was partially a creator and showrunner on DS9. I might be wrong. Um, also helped Voyager for the first couple years. Um, he uh, he passed away a, a couple years ago. Um, he wrote the uh, excellent book called Fade In that I'm really, really enjoying. Um, he wrote uh, Star Trek uh, Insurrection, which is the TNG movies um, outside of First Contact are not remembered that well. Uh, Generations was a mixed bag. Um, at one point, the amazing uh, episode Yesterday's Enterprise was considered the premise for a movie. And I was like, diggity dang, that would have been awesome. Uh, but then how can... The the timeline is different where it was almost like, shoot, we should have done Yesterday's Enterprise as the movie instead. Um, Generations was what it was. First Contact is one of the best Trek movies. It's tied and its position changes for me uh, from time to time with uh, Wrath of Khan as up there in the best treks. Uh, Nemesis was a great film budget two-part episode. 
Um, it was a mixed bag. It what like I I still enjoy it, but it's not perfect. Uh, in the book though, there is uh, what is Pillar's first story pitch, and to me that was much better than the movie we got. Um, where it really would have leaned in on the Fountain of Youth, there would have been a character who named Joss who was half Romulan, half Klingon, which would be abhorrent to Worf, who they would establish why he's on uh, helping out with the Enterprise and not on DS9. Um, Would have tied into younger Picard. uh, Would have tied into an old friend of his. It really would have leaned into the Fountain of Youth story. It would have shown why... Uh, Picard was rebelling a lot more. It would have leaned into how the planet uh, that has the stuff that like causes the de-aging, the, the essential fountain of youth, um, it, why it leads to these tendencies more than Insurrection did. Uh, it also would have done a great... Part of the thing they were trying to do is also show like the awkward growing stages between the Federation of the TOS timeline in movies and the next generation federation where there's a marked difference between what ex- the expectation of command is from Kirk and what it is from Picard. So that would have been great to really explore. Um, it wouldn't have been a hundred percent perfect, but as even though I enjoy insurrection, as I was reading through that, I'm like, Oh my goodness, that would have been, I think that could have been a great movie. Um, it was not pursued on the first draft. I don't even know. I would have loved to hear Patrick Stewart's thoughts about it, but it wasn't even the first draft wasn't even pitched to Patrick Stewart because it's like uh, the main producers were finding like you're saying that like we're really focused on how old they are. We're saying this commander is old, and the only time they're interesting is when they're getting young again, which I did not feel as I was reading the thing. I'm like, I get what you're going for. It's youthful exuberance. It's rediscovering who you like parts of who you were, but in who you are now, I think it could have been a great flick. Um, if you can, you can find the book online for free, but you can also purchase it. It would be, and buy online for free. I don't even mean pirating. I mean, it was not allowed to be published for a long time. So Michael pillar put it up for free. You can still find it, I think, on his website or other official websites for free, but it has since been released uh, in a payment form. Check it out. It's really great. Uh, The other thing I do want to say, I I do want to recommend to check out, is a great documentary about DS9 called What We Left Behind. Um, It was a documentary done over a couple years. I don't often like documentaries. Um, (laughs) My joking answer is because... I get enough of life sucking and humanity being terrible through my job. <laughs> um, so when I uh, what I don't need to watch documentaries about drug cartels and murderers and stuff. Get enough of that in my line of work. Um, but I do I do enjoy documentaries when it's about the making of movies or the making of shows or stuff like the toys that made us or. This kind of thing. And What You Left Behind is a great Trek documentary uh, looking at the impact of DS9. You can make the argument at times it's too uh, patting on its own back thing uh, sentiment, but it's really, really good. There's stuff they could have dived into more because there was at times a lot of behind-the-scene drama, 
but there's some really great stuff. It also features like some of the last interviews with Aaron Eisenberg, who passed away this past week, who played Nog on the show. Um, it looked at what would have been the hypothetical season eight, how it would have started. Um, it's a really, really good documentary. I'd, I'd really recommend picking it up. Uh, you can find it on iTunes. Uh, standard definition is $9.99 to buy. There is a Blu-ray. There is a DVD. Um, it's well worth a watch. There's some other good Shrek documentaries. Uh, the one I'd really, another one I'd really recommend is Chaos on the Bridge, that looks at the very, very drama-filled uh, first three behind-the-scenes issues of the first three seasons of Next Generation. Um, and finally, I do want to give a shout out to the an excellent Star Trek podcast called The Next Conversation. Uh, they are going through the Next Generation episode by episode. Um, to any Christian listeners who are interested, uh, at times they do swear a bit. So if that's something that can negatively affect you, maybe skip it. But if that's not something that does negatively impact you, um, I find it to be a great podcast. The first part uh, they did the episode on the first part of the outstanding Best of Both Worlds episode, and it was hilarious. I never realized how much I want a parody of that episode and how ripe for parody it is, uh, and it could be the funniest Trek parody ever. Yeah, um, so that is today's episode. Final thing I want to include is some uh, prayer requests. Please keep uh, keep my family in, in prayers. Um and please keep some friends. I don't know if I have their permission to say their name. So I've got some friends who are uh, potentially moving to Europe uh, next year. I've got some friends and family who are uh, going to do missions work um, also in Europe. So please keep them in the prayer, your prayers as they are uh, sorting up for funds. It's, it's a huge transition moving to a different country, learning a different language. You're going to be teaching, but... It's, it's a huge thing. So please, please keep them in your prayers. Uh, also, please keep some other in, uh, other family and friends in your prayers as um, they are uh, a couple of people I know are have recently proposed to get married, which is amazing. Um, please keep them in your prayers as for the uh, for the engagement period and the eventual wedding. And also, please pray for other family. Again, I don't have I don't know if I have the permission to say the name, so I won't. Um, who have recently got married, which is awesome and exciting. Um, but it it is a big transition. It's it it's a huge change. Uh, marriage is wonderful. It's amazing. It is a big adjustment. <laughs> so please keep them in your prayers. Uh, for me as well, my health is a bit up and down, um, even though. And even though I'm coming out of five and a half months of just getting my um, my butt whooped emotionally, um, there's still some anxiety issues uh, and mild depression issues where there's certain days where it's just incredibly rough and it's a, it's a really down day. Um, but there are some uh, there's some potential changes in life coming up as well um, as I'm just figuring out some stuff. So please keep all that in your prayers. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of One Cross Radio. Uh, as always, I do hope this, uh, even an episode like this, somehow, some way, uh, my constant prayer is that it points you towards uh, the love of Christ. Uh, Jesus is incredible and amazing. Um, I cannot describe how wonderful and awesome he is. I hope 
that if you don't know him, that this this podcast and website still points you to him. Uh, and if you don't know him, I hope and pray that you'll consider uh, asking your Christian friends about Jesus and looking into looking into Scripture and the love of Christ and the love of God. All that being said, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your, all your support. And God bless, my friends. Take care. Peace. Thank you.